Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Welcome back to the show. The Colorado Avalanches, uh, Jared Bettner mentioned after the game, as Sandy pointed out, up. Miss of late. They have a miss at home. They lose to the Winnipeg Jets 4-2. to two. Joining us to talk about it and what's next for the Avalanche is Mile High Sports lead hockey writer, Arif Dean. You can follow him on social at RunRightArif. That's A-A-R-I-F. And the host of the Hockey Mountain High podcast for the Avalanche. Arif, thanks for joining us. Uh, let, let's just start there. Not even this loss. But uh, as Coach Jared Bednar talked about the team being hit and miss of late, Last five games. What are you seeing in that situation? The, the the one game in which, you know, they had the the most injuries, they ended up playing well. So, I mean, now you're talking about a team that doesn't seem to be consistent in its performance of late. Is there anything that you can point to? I point to there's a few things. There's a lot of guys that are, I don't even want to say not playing at their best, but just don't look good right now at all. Um, there are others that are not playing at their best and there, there's just a lot of inconsistencies. This is, uh, you know, to, to, to get away from all of the positivity of the last couple of times I've been on the show, it just feels like there's a lot of inconsistencies. This team has had a lot of turnover over the last couple of years and you're starting to see just kind of like bits and pieces of a team put together, but not a complete team. And that's kind of the vibe I've been getting for a little while, uh, the one thing I will say in terms of a positivity on that is I feel like every contender right now has a flaw and their fan base and their local radio shows are all talking about how they need to improve in order to win the Stanley Cup because no team is built perfectly like the Avalanche were in 2022 or Tampa Bay in 2020. Um, but right now I'm seeing a team that's just bits and pieces of, of showing flashes of brilliance. But in the most, but for the most part, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered, and a lot more to be desired. Uh, one of those questions, and maybe it's the easiest one to answer because he'll get it going at some point. Uh, Mika Rantanen, who seemed to be scoring at almost a goal a game pace through the first oh eighteen games of the year, right? Yeah. Hasn't scored a goal in eight games. What's going on there? He was minus three last night. And he was that, minus three last night. Terrible on the power play. I mean, it, it, yeah. and he wasn't alone. Other than McKinnon, they were all bad on the power play, especially on a five and three in the third period. But what what do you think is going on with Rantanen, or is it just one of those slumps that even great goal scorers go through? Do you know how many minutes Miko Rantanen played yesterday? Yeah, I do. 27 Mm-hmm. And he was bad for about just every one of them. Yeah, he was far and away the highest on the team. Yep. By more than two minutes from the next guy as a forward, which you don't see, which is kind of wild because McKinnon, McKinnon played 25-01. Jonathan Drouin, who looked pretty good to me, played 25-22. All yeah. three of them played more than the defensemen Taves and McCarr did and Bowen Byram, who was at 20. Um, but ultimately what I'm seeing is Miko is, so Miko's a fiery guy, and, and this is the first time I've seen this in a long, long time since that 2019-20 season pre-COVID, uh, the regular season aspect of that season. I have not seen Miko in this kind of a rut where he's getting 
frustrated and you can visibly yeah. tell he's frustrated. Oh, he shows that. He shows it. Yeah, he shows it. He shows it when he scores 12 goals in 13 games. He shows yeah. it yeah. when he misses an open shot. He's showing it even more now, having not scored in eight games, playing 27 minutes, six and a half on the power play and getting one shot on goal. Wow. Just like that's that is not a Miko wow. Rantanen number. Twenty-seven minutes and twenty-three shifts. He's averaging one eleven per shift again because of those long power play shifts, because of those right. long end of right. game shifts right. last night, and and has literally nothing to show for it. And yeah. that was the question that I asked Jared yesterday. Is part of Miko Rantanen's ice time you trying to work him out of a slump? And he said yes, absolutely. The our best players need to be our best players. And when you have a weapon like Miko Rantanen, putting him on the fourth line with Olafson and Kivi Ranta isn't going to wake him up. Trotting him out there every other shift and saying, figure it out and get it together is how you're going to get someone like Miko. I've, I've, again, I've not seen anything like this since that 2019-20 season where he had he was less than a point per game. I think he had 40 and 44 or 40 and 42 before the, the COVID pause. Right. Uh, ever since then, including the playoffs in the bubble, he has just been like you. You don't see him enter these kinds of slumps, uh, and it's kind of it's it's fascinating to me that he's there because uh, over you know the the fifty something games beforehand, he had like forty one goals. I want to say when he date back to last season, and now he's got eight straight games without a goal. He just he doesn't do that. Nope. Um, strange, but probably he'll he'll break out. Here's a yeah. more difficult question and, and give Mark Kislev credit uh, in his column today in the Denver post uh, when asked about uh, the recent shift and apparent move of Ross Colton uh, with Wood and Rantanen last night up to the second line and Johansson's apparent demotion. Uh, he's playing yeah. now with Tatar and Kibi Ranta. Uh, with Nashushkin out on the third line, and Colton played more than eight minutes more than Johansson did last night. Johansson, who was brought in partly because he's a better faceoff man than anyone the Avalanche had on their roster, yeah. only took six draws last night because he hardly played. So he only took six, won three, lost three. And to Mark's credit, I think he characterized Bednar's answer as a testy one, and that was a fair assessment. It was like, well, I can. there's no law that says I have to play Johansson more than Colton. Well, yeah, okay, there'll be a few games where maybe there's a slight difference, but Johansson was brought in to be your second-line center, and he's been getting 12, 13 minutes a game lately. Yeah. The morning shift on December 5th against the Anaheim Ducks, the morning skate, I should say, for the December 5th game against the Anaheim Ducks, Megan Angley at DNVR asked Jared Bednar about uh, Ross Colton's ice time surpassing Ryan Johansson's and how he can reconcile it. And he said, I don't have to. This is a direct quote from Jared Bednar. I don't have to. There's nothing saying that Ryan Johansson needs more ice time than Ross Colton. If Ross Colton's playing well and doing the job that he's doing, and then he's earning more ice time. I don't have a set limit for our guys. I'm watching them on a day-to-day basis, week-to-week basis, month-to-month, and taking all the information I have and then distributing ice time uh, accordingly. Yeah, but that's not an issue. And and for Jared Benar is usually very direct. That's a bit of a dodge. And it's a testy response to a perfectly legitimate question. And my sense is it's a testy response 
because Bednar knows it's a problem. And his team's lost four or five games. And, and well, yeah. Oh, but, I, but also, I, I, he I knows it. it's a I problem. A they way. don't have a second setter, period. Bingo. Or exclamation Bingo. mark. They don't. I, don't. I don't see it as a dodge. I see it as him saying, Ryan Johansson's not playing well. I'm not going to play him. That's what I'm seeing. That's what I see. But that's not quite what he it, said. Yes. He said Ross that, that Colton was playing out of this world, so he's earned more ice time. And I, okay, no, no, but no. eight minutes. No, no, no. He eight said, minutes. He said, he said he said Ross Colton's playing well, but the start of the of the quote is there is nothing saying that Ryan Johansson needs more ice time than Ross Colton. I that still right is there is for a favorite. direct coach. That's a dot. Oh, you guys are still that's at the. Uh, you guys are coming to the same conclusion though. That the, the two We're coming st- to the same conclusion right. is that Ryan Johansson is not playing up to his right. role. He's not a second and as a result, on the team right now. Yeah, they don't and have I a two seat. Bingo. And so and I, I'm saying, to the, listen, Bednar's doing a great coaching job. But yeah. Bednar, Bednar didn't make the trade. And Chris McFarlane did. And I, I, it sounds strange to say about a guy who scored nine goals. Right. And played in every game. And he's been good on faceoffs. But he's a minus player. Uh, Colton's a scrapper, but you know he he's not going to give we, you. We understood 50 he was points. a third line guy. I mean, I think everyone understood he was a third line guy. And so, uh, the the question I guess I would have, Eric, from talking to Eric Dean of Miley Sports, uh, the for the Avs who you know they've been making a lot of trades, and and the, there's not a lot of uh, draft assets or player assets that you could move that aren't going to sort of. A, bring some challenges further down the road. And maybe while your championship window is open, you live with that and you'll pay the bill later. But at the same time, is there any sort of solution on the outside that the avalanche could potentially make to find that center? Whether there is or there isn't, or like whether I can think of a name off the top of my head, they need to find the guy. It's not right. Can they be on the roster? Can they be, is there someone that could be coached up? Can they perform? Or, or do you believe they have to go outside the organization? Sandy believes it's I believe, they have to go outside. I, be, I believe they have to go out, and I, okay. I believe they have to go out for two reasons. Number one, uh, a couple weeks ago, or a couple, more than a couple weeks ago, maybe about a month, month and a half ago, I asked Jared Bednar when the Avalanche were going through their initial slump, the one where they lost to Seattle, got blown out by Vegas and St. Louis, et cetera. During that slump, I asked him, because Ross Colton was playing well at the time, I think he had five goals in six games, I said – is your lack of center depth stopping you from bringing Ross Colton up from the third line center to a top line winger or a second line winger? Because as you all remember, Ross Colton made his money playing on the wing in Tampa Bay with guys like Braden Point, Steven Stamkos, uh, Kucherov, and he's playing on the point scoring with these superstars. I still love the idea and can't wait for the possibility of seeing a line of McKinnon with Colton and Rantanen. McKinnon being the center, Colton and Rantanen on his wings. The problem is you cannot do that because Ryan Johansson isn't giving you second line minutes. If you take Ryan, if you take Ross Colton off of the third line slash now second line, well now your centers are McKinnon, Olafson, and a Johansson you can't trust. So they do have to go outside the organization because you're not only trying to replace what Ryan Johansson is failing to do, you need center depth anyway. Frederick Olofsson was converted from a winger to a center to play on the fourth line because Ben Myers couldn't cut it. You replaced JT Comfer with Ross Colton. You replaced what used to be Kadri spot with Johansson. 
Now you want to take the comfort replacement and elevate him, but you don't have another centerman like Alex Newhook or Tyson Jost, those guys that are kind of fringe middle six guys yeah, that you can yeah, slot I mean, in as a three. Those two guys aren't missed, I don't think. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a clear hole in terms of center depth on this team, and it's yeah. been like that for a very right. long time. Since right. the days when they traded – uh, since since the days when they traded Duchesne and O'Reilly and kind of elev- like you know moved on from that era, there's constantly been center depth issues. But they always the difference is they always had guys in the pipeline. There was a young Tyson Jost, a young JT Comfer, eventually a young Alex Newhook. You signed this kid named Alexander Kerfoot out of Harvard. You kind of had all these options, but now those options have all withered away. Obviously, along with the Nazem Kadri that you got for Kerfoot and a defenseman you don't have any other guys in the system. You have Callum Ritchie, who's a centerman who's in the system, but he's 18 years old. That's not an Alex Newhook. That's not somebody who's ready to step in like Tyson Jokes when he was 20. So they need somebody from outside the organization for that reason. I think what makes the Avalanche so unique is if they were healthy, which they're not, and when I, but when I mean healthy, I mean legitimately Landeskog included. What made the Avalanche so unique in that 2022 Cup here is – a lot of teams built through their centers. Look at the LA Kings with Kopitar, Deneau, and, and Dubois. Those are three magnificent centers, and any one of those guys would be a wonderful second-line center on the Avalanche. And one of them is playing third line on the, on the LA Kings. What makes the Avalanche unique and different is when they won the Stanley Cup, they won it with four play-driving wingers. Nobody has four play-driving wingers. Every team has a guy in their top six who – not that I'm insulting him by any means, was like Milan Hayduk. When Milan Hayduk has given you 30 goals a year, he's valuable. As soon as Hayduk stopped scoring, he was on the fourth line and out of the NHL. Every team has those guys. That's what Washington has in the guy who might break the NHL goal scoring record. But what the Avalanche had with Rantanen, with Landeskog, with Lekkinen, and with Nachushkin were four play-driving two-way wingers. You just don't see that in the NHL nowadays to have four players with the high IQ that they had, all playing on the wing in your top six. That's why Burakovsky got demoted to the third line. So had the Avalanche had those four center, four, four wingers all healthy, then yeah, you can roll with a McKinnon and a Colton at 1-2. You can roll with a McKinnon and a Comfort like last year at 1-2. The problem is when you had Comfort last year, you didn't have Landeskog the whole year, and then you had all the other injuries. So that's, that's what the issue the Avalanche have right now is. You have guys like Druen and Tatar filling into the top six. But on top of that, your second-line center isn't where it is. In order to have your second-line center be a guy who can be kind of a lower-level player, you need to have those four play-driving wingers. It's what the Chicago Blackhawks did for so many years. They had Kane. They had Hosa. They had Patrick Sharp. They had all of these play-driving wingers in the top six where behind Jonathan Taves, you inserted a – 38-year-old Brad Richards or a 36-year-old Michael Hansus and still on the Stanley Cup. He That's the problem is, with the Avalanche right now. He is Arif Dean. He's the lead writer for Mile High Sports and the host of the Hockey Mountain High podcast. Run right, Arif, A-A-R-I-F, is the social media handle. That's the kind of depth and the kind of opinion you'll be able to get from Arif's work all the time. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks thanks for the uh, time and the insight. And uh, uh, look, when you and Sandy both come on the same page, all of a sudden I'm thinking, okay, now they need to make a trade. I'm going to Google it during the break. Let's we'll see who they can get. Thanks a lot, Eric. Yeah. This is going to be a fun time between now and the trade deadline. There's going to be a lot of conversations to have about the moves they can make. All right. Thanks. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Appreciate it. Thank you. You as well. Thank you, guys. The, the bright side. I, I just Sandy. want to say this mm-hmm. quickly. 
lest I be misunderstood. Okay. Jared Bednar is doing a fantastic I think he is job too. this year. I, and he did last year. And I would say, if anything, even better than he did during the Stanley Cup year. And I'm talking not just about last year, but this year so far through what amounts to the first third of the season. I think he's done a sensational job. And the point of it, my characterizing the response is testy, is that one, it's uncharacteristic. And two, I think it's revelatory in the sense that it's clear he's dissatisfied. Clear he's dissatisfied. Well, and, and, and it says more about how poorly he thinks Johansson is playing. And I mean, his line mates last night, look, Kimi Ronta is a fourth liner right. who was up on a third line because they have an injury. Right. Uh, or an illness, illness right? Tatar played thirteen forty-seven. Johansson's on the power play occasionally. Tatar isn't doing much on special teams that I can see. I mean, maybe at times in the second power play unit, but he get he gets far more minutes five on five than his line mate Johansson gets last night. It's more about Johansson playing badly. Well, let's let's dig into that a little bit because I think some of the things that you and Eric were talking about, the equivalent would be you guys sort of had a two-on-one and you were skating at the exact same speed and missed a little bit of the passes because I think you're getting to the same destination. I'm going to try to bridge the gap because I think both of you are right and I think the Avalanche have to deal with it. We'll talk about it next on Miley Sports. Stop me now. I'm having such a good time. I'm having a ball. 